Odd as it seems, in Christ being bound and handed over to be crucified, we gain a victory. Well, we see the similar story play out here in the life of Samson in Judges 15. Join us as we explore it together. The gospel narrative is full of contradictions or seeming contradictions. Today, we will explore one of them. In binding, there is a victory. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com. Today, we're in Judges 15, verses 6 through 19, as we see the attempt to bind Samson. And from that attempt, a massacre of the enemy. It is a victory that seemingly comes out of bondage. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. In verse 10, and the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? Now, will you mark the intervention of the people of God, the men of Judah? You can't get more Jewish than that. Yehuda, Yada, that is essentially Judaism. But we can get into the Israeli, Lebanese variation of the culture and all that dynamic. We're not. The text is teaching us the Judites because the Judite, as you guys have learned here for many years, is the warrior tribe. Besides Benjamin, they are the warrior tribe. Their job was to go in first into the land of Palestine. Remember that? So they have a keen sense that something strange is happening where All these Philistines are encamping about in Lehi. They feel threatened, don't they? Do they feel threatened? All right, I want to help you because this optic should map over to where we are today. I told you if you're not preaching and teaching and exalting Christ in relationship to what's going on in our world, you are missing the point. You're in a time capsule, in a bubble. In a delusion, if the word of God is not relevant to where we are right now, the spirit of truth is not working in our community. And so the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? And they answered, to bind Samson. I want you to get that. What is the goal of the flesh? To bind Samson. Now Samson points to who? Jesus. And if it points to Jesus, who else does it point to? The believer, because the optic that you're about to see is the binding of Samson's body. Don't think that you can get away with the attempt to be bound. If they bound Jesus, they're going to try to bind you. And you just need to understand this battle. You and I are going not, we're not going to skate our way to glory while others are fighting the battle of the kingdom of God and have to go through being bound because the believers are being bound all the time. As I speak, believers around the world are being bound for Christ's sake right now. As I speak, for standing for righteousness, for being Samson in their own culture, for being committed to submit themselves to the spirit of God, which is what Samson is doing. Committed to their consecration, committed to their sanctification, committed to their qualification, and therefore committed to their service. 
Y'all learning about sanctification, right? Take it serious. Please take it serious. Because you're looking at a sanctified brother right here. You're looking at a sanctified brother. You're looking at a man that knows his mission. He knows his purpose. He's happy about it too. He know God made him for this moment. Happy about it. And then you need to know he's operating out of love. We're not just mercenaries ready to go to war against a uh, counter uh, intuitive system that is hostile to the truth of God. We hate everything that God hates for sure. But we love people. And we especially love the saints. And we're not comfortable when the saints voluntarily or otherwise are taken into captivity. It does not make me feel good when my right hand is in captivity, though my left hand is free. I need both of them to get down. I need one to block while I punch with the other one. I need both of them. The whole body got to work together. So get them up, get them up, get them up. Get them up. You're in a battle. I told you that this book of the judges is about a good fight of faith laying hold unto eternal life. Everybody got work to do. Just go get some water. If you can't fight, bring us some water. But don't be mad at me because I'm trying to keep you free. So what we see going on is very interesting. Verse, uh, verse number 10 says they came up to bind Samson and they answered uh, and they answered to bind Samson. Are we come up to do to him as he has done to us? So the battle is on. Is it on? Knowest thou not, I'm over in verse, uh, verse 11, knowest thou not that the Philistines, I, I'm sorry, I need to start that off better in verse 11. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom. Now, you notice what they did? They went up to have a conversation with our brother. Y'all there? They went up to have a conversation with our brother because they just had a conversation with the Philistines, didn't they? Now, I want you to hear very carefully what they're about to say. I want you to hear very carefully what they're about to say. Now, they feel compelled to mediate between the Philistines and Samson. Because they also now believe that Samson is the problem. You see what I was telling you? If you're carnal minded, you hate spiritual things. And you hate everyone who is engaged in a spiritual battle that disrupts your carnal peace and your carnal tranquility and your carnal comforts. And you don't realize that a big part of this kind of propaganda has been going on against the believer for dozens and dozens of years now. It's part of the Marxist tactic of demoralizing your culture. In the same way, it is a comfort for the secular world to talk bad about God, mock God, ridicule God, particularly the Christian God. Particularly the Christian God. Because look, if you run up on my Muslim brothers talking about cussing Allah out, you gotta, you're getting ready to meet Samson. Am I telling the truth, brother? The one thing they're not going to let you do is just openly ridicule and blaspheme their God. This is where Christians are weak today. 
And it has translated from, you can talk bad about my God to you can talk bad about my pastor. And you can talk bad, bad about my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, let me come on over there with you and talk bad about them. And this is because you have gradually shifted your allegiance to flesh, to the uncircumcised Philistine, rather than to the true and the living God. This is a battle between truth and lies, between the spirit of God and the antichrist system, between the people who are of God and the people who are of the world. That's the battle we're in. And it's closer than you want to admit. And every day you're being tested by when you go and hang out with your unsaved friends and your unsaved Christians. I know that's oxymoronic, but it's true. Because out of the abundance of the heart, does the mouth speak. I can tell whether your allegiance is of this world or of God by the way you talk, by the way you act, by the things you choose to do, by how much you push back on me. I can tell. How can two walk together except they be agreed? We're in a battle. And so what we see under point number two will be three fundamental things that I want to try to drive home. Three fundamental things. things. A sin abounding event. Now you don't know this. This is part of, a part of, of what is called um, narrative uh, leading. Narrative leading. It threads the events. It started off with 30. Remember the 30 companions that manipulated the relationship between Samson and his wife? And they were so wretched that they took Samson's wife and married her to Samson's so-called best man. Do y'all remember that? How wicked is that? And that's why Samson went down and got 30 (laughs) changes of garments from the other Philistines. They had to pay for that sin, didn't they? And then the next thing that Samson did was to take 300 foxes. That's 10 times, 30 times 10. Y'all got that? And tied the tails together so that the whole Philistine system could be exposed as being a pack of lies. See, the, the gig is up now, saints. This is like full on war now. Y'all got that? We're like we own now. This is it. Samson is like, okay, it's time. We got one more epic to look at. That's going to be chapter 16. In chapter 16, Samson is going to go in with the same tactic that worked the first time. He's going to fall in love with a sister named Delilah. Is that right? And guess what Delilah is going to try to do too? Bind him. See, binding is the battle. Bind the strong man and you can spoil his goods. Stay with me. This is how it unpacks point number two, an attempt to bind him. I'm going to tell you why it's an attempt. It's just an attempt. This is the final optic of this text, but it's just an attempt. When I said sin abounding from 30 to 300, it has now abounded to 3,000. How many Judites are now coming up to mediate between the Philistines and Samson? 3,000. Tenfold. Y'all got it? You see the link? These are Samson's adversaries. What do you mean, Pastor? Samson's adversaries have increased in number to 3,000, and sadly, they are church folk. The 3,000 men of Judah went up to the top of the rock Edom. They went to where Samson was resting. 
because they felt like they had a relationship with Samson. I'm getting ready to show you Samson was never the man most of your pastors told you he was. He was never that man. He was always a good man, slightly flawed like your pastor, but a very good man clear on his job. He had dignity when it came to getting married. He didn't just marry any old body. His mom and daddy were engaged in it. He had dignity when they took that woman and abused her as a heifer. He went on home and rested and chilled, got some counsel from mom and dad, brought a cab down because he wanted to reconcile to discover that her, his father-in-law married her off to his best man. Boy, if you want to set a brother off, See, and Samson didn't kill anybody. He just burned up the fields to let the Philistines know you are wicked. Did y'all get that? I'm trying to help you understand because see, even in our theological world, particularly our seminaries, for many, many decades, our seminaries have been corrupted by professors who are fundamentally neo-Marxist. We already know this. Higher criticism has been a system of deconstruction of the text of scripture so that it makes you think that the Bible is not the veritable, infallible, inerrant word of the living God. So now you can just play with the scriptures any kind of way you want to because it's all a fairy tale. If the scriptures are not true, then God is a liar. Am I making some sense? And we can't trust him. And we're playing games. If the word of the Lord is not right and all of his works are not done and true, we're playing game. To the the law and the testimony, if we don't speak according to God's word, we're playing games. When Jesus says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then Jesus is a liar right along with his father. If Jesus is praying to his daddy in John 17, 17, Father, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is true. That was a farce prayer on the part of my master. If the word of God does not know how to sanctify you and build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified, then you and I are living a delusion. I'm here to tell you that the word of God is true trustworthy, and it will never, ever be found flawed justly. It changes lives. It changes cultures. It changes nations. That's why they want to remove the word of God from the vocabulary. And we've gone through this secular experience for the last 150 years of removing the word of God from every necessary institution in our society and secularism has dominated. Now look at how people think that somehow you proceeded from a protozoa, an enzyme and turned into a tadpole. Now some of us think like tadpoles. There is definitely no doubt about that. And our higher species brothers, the monkeys, some of us dumb and goofy as gorillas. But if you believe that, you cannot believe the Bible. You cannot believe the Bible. You cannot believe that God made man with his own hand out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He made a grown man. 
not a baby, a grown man. That's the end of every believer, a total grown man and woman in the image of God and the person of Christ with fellowship with the Father for all eternity. That's what God is making us to be, grown men and women. Not children, grown. Soon as he stood Adam up and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, they began to have a conversation. And the way you are saved is God breathes his spirit into your soul through the gospel and wakes you up out of sin. And now you can hear God like you never heard him before. You used to mock, you used to laugh, you used to ridicule until God showed you your sin. And then showed you the glory of the only one loved you enough to take your place on the cross. All of a sudden you go, oh, it's true. I never knew it. This is called the convicting work of the spirit to convince you of your sin and of God's righteousness in Christ and make you happy about him dying on the cross for you. The struggle now, the struggle now, child of God, is that the enemy wants to constantly bind you. He wants to constantly bind you. He wants to bind your mind. He wants to bind your mouth. It happened for the last two years. He bound your mouth. He wants to bind your heart. He wants to bind your life. He he shut us up. Because he understands that fellowship is like preparation for war when we come together and talk about it. And we get stirred up to go out and fight the battles where we live. No, don't let them huddle up. If they huddle up, they're going to start a fire. And they're going to start singing. And they're going to start praising God. And they're going to start feeling good about being in Christ. And they're going to be strengthened with all might in the inner man. And they're going to be inclined to do exploits. Don't let them come together. We took a big hit for the last two and a half years. Because some of us were Philistine Christians. American Christianity is wrecked right now as a consequence of it. Be sure of it. They're more scared now than they ever have been. More anxiety, more fear, more depression, more doubt, more confusion, more than ever. Do y'all hear me, children? Can I talk to you today? You don't see Christians. You see a bunch of weak people. That's what you're seeing. Now you got folks that really want to go against. This is what happened. When we tried to stand for what was true and what was right, all kind of Christians got mad at us. What you doing? Worshiping. Y'all should be laughing at that one. What you doing? Worshiping God. I still get people that say, what? Y'all kept the doors open? God didn't say shut the door. You did. God didn't say don't gather together. You did. Because God knows the secret where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am. Yeah. Yeah. I love my Christian brothers and sisters, but some of y'all Philistines, I know it hurts, but it's true. You got to overcome it and you get to do it today because I'm going to teach you something before I'm done. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you. It's a false optic. What you're looking at. 
Now go back to our text and watch this pathetic engagement that teaches us a redemptive reality before I shut it down. I'm in chapter 15 and I'm at verse 12. And notice what it says. And they said unto Samson, we are come down to bind you. You see that? We are come down to bind you. Now, is this not an upside down backwards picture? Church folk whose job it is to practice liberation isn't the gospel to set the captives free, to loose the prisoners, to deliver those that are bound. Is that not the gospel? How is it that they're turning around to go hunt down the judge of Israel? Samson is the final good judge of Israel. And they want to bind him. I don't know where I want to start now. Because I could start in John 18, where our Lord had already told the other 11 disciples, one of you is a devil. And they have just entered into the Garden of Gethsemane where Christ is praying to the Father about just a little measure of strength to get through the rest of this battle. I don't know where to go. But maybe John 18 will tell me that here comes Judas Iscariot with a whole band of, of, of uh, the rulers of uh, the high priests along with the rulers of the Roman Empire. And guess what they're coming to do? Bind him. That's false religion. And it shouldn't miss your point that the Judite tribes here is the same name as Judas Iscariot. And the word Judah in the Hebrew means to praise God. Is Judah praising God? No, he's praising the devil. Because the devil has already entered into him. And one of the manifestations of the devil is that he always wants to mock God. See, God is the one that binds and loosens. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. The job of the church is to facilitate the spirit of the living God in liberating men and women from bondage. And if we do any binding, we're binding the satanic system, the satanic kingdom, and every policy that would go contrary to the word of the living God. Am I making some sense? This is the battle we're in. When the last time you bound a devil? That's a good word, isn't it? When the last time you bound a devil in Jesus' name? When the last time you opposed a foe that was trying to bind your brother or sister in Christ? When the last time you heard a policy coming out of these uh, wicked politicians that you said in your heart, Lord, give me grace to be a part of binding that demonic, ungodly, unconstitutional, inhuman, uh, insane policy. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? May God wake you up to the warfare. May he wake you up to the warfare because a lot of Christians are asleep or they're on the enemy's side. Who's on the Lord's side? 
And I will give unto you the keys, authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall having been bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's the battle of the church. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace.